sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after to start off this new week live on a Monday on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here live on this Monday morning. We continue to recap the Sunday slate of the National Football League. We also preview Monday night football in the NFL. Get that prop perspective for this Monday a little bit later on in this second hour. And of course, the odds and advice you need to become a better sports better. That is all we try to do here on the morning after. Make you a more engaged, fun, and knowledgeable sports fan. So as we do that, not just in the NFL, not just the NBA either, or maybe the NHL, of course, college football, the third to last Saturday of the regular season just 48 hours ago and what a chaotic day it was in cfb we go to the night game in austin texas under the lights between the longhorns hosting the horn frogs of tcu tcu ranked fourth in the country in the second set of the college football playoff rankings but some questioned the horn frogs were they deserving of that spot was their perfect 9-0 record really all that it appeared to be yeah It was, as we told you all last week, not TCU catching seven and a half on the road against the Longhorns outright on the money line, plus 250. And that's exactly what Hypno Toad and TCU was able to do in Austin on Saturday. A 17 to 10 victory for Sonny Dykes and company. Again, winning outright as a seven and a half point dog, plus 250, that money line price, and a total that was booked at 66 and a half, and what we expected to be that classic Big 12 shootout was anything but. The first touchdown of the game wasn't even scored until the second half of the contest between the Horns and the Horn Frogs. It was a big day on the ground for Kendra Miller for TCU, 138 rushing yards, a 75-yard bomb to score that opening touchdown of the contest. TCU now clinches a spot in the Big 12 championship game. The Horned Frogs were booked as a slight odds-on minus money favorite entering this contest against the Longhorns, minus 105. But they were still quite far down the national championship board because, well, Texas was a touchdown favorite to give TCU its first loss of the year. That never happened. The Horned Frogs were 60-1 to just last week to win the college football playoff national championship. Despite being the number four team in the country, one of the four remaining unbeatens in college football, they still were tied for the fifth longest odds to even get to the dance, to even get to the CFP. Now refresh those odds. 20-1. to for TCU, tied for the fourth best price to win a national championship alongside Tennessee. The three teams with the three best prices, Georgia, a minus money odds on favorite, minus 125. Ohio State, the second best number at plus 250. And Michigan, also out of the Big Ten, of course, at 7-1. to All three of those teams win and cover as big, big favorites on Saturday. Michigan covering at home is a 30-and-a-half point favorite. Ohio State, a big favorite against Indiana. They win 56 to 14 and even Georgia in a big game against Mississippi State 
covering that number as well. But there was chaos, as we mentioned, in college football, certainly in the Pac-12. What will it mean for that league as they try to get back to the college football playoff for the first time in five years? A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live right here on this Monday, all across the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, and our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. Now, this upcoming Saturday was supposed to be that significant Saturday in the Pac-12. Two huge matchups, four teams in contention for a conference championship appearance. Oregon hosting Utah in Eugene. The Battle of Los Angeles at the Rose Bowl between UCLA and USC. This upcoming Saturday is going to lose a little bit of that luster in the Conference of Champions because of the chaos this past Saturday in the Pac-12. Oregon, a 12.5-point favorite in a top-25 tilt against Washington, loses outright 37-34 as the Huskies kick a field goal late to get that victory, winning outright as a 12.5-point underdog. The first five possessions of the second half, each of these teams went back and forth, back and forth. Those first five opening drives of offense in the second stanza were all a touchdown. But really where this game came down to was Oregon going for it on its own 34-yard line on fourth and one in a tied football game at 34-all under two minutes remaining. They get stopped, which allows UW to drive down the field just barely and sets up that game-winning field goal. A very interesting decision by Dan Lanning, the first-year head coach for the Ducks. And then late night, Pac-12 action after dark, chaos in the Rose Bowl. As the Bruins of UCLA, as a double-digit favorite as well, lose outright to Arizona. The Cats get a 34-28 victory outright as a 10-and-a-half-point underdog. And Jaden Delora, a huge game. 315 yards, three touchdowns, the quarterback for Arizona. Despite the fact that on the ground for the Bruins, Zach Charbonnet posted over 180 yards and three scores himself. So now, where is the Pac-12 in their hopes of making a college football playoff? It really rides with just one team in Los Angeles, that being USC. The Trojans, the best price of this crop from the Pac-12 to win a national championship at 30-1. to 1. Utah, 200-1. Oregon, 250-1. to 1. UCLA no longer even has a price available. Some injury insight from the NFL up next on the Morning After. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The second half of the NFL season here in 2022 is now underway. We look back on the Sunday slate with the pro football doc himself. Dr. David Chow joins us here on this Monday, live on the morning after on SportsGrid to provide that injury analysis and insight from what we have seen and what it means the rest of the way in this regular season. Dr. Chow, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this Monday. Uh, thanks for having me. So when we look at the game, Dr. Chow, yesterday, some might be already billing as the game of the year in the NFL in Buffalo between the Bills and the Vikings. Not only was what we saw on the gridiron sensational with all that happened near the goal line late in the fourth quarter and into overtime between Buffalo and Minnesota, the attention for that game was at an all-time high because of the right throwing elbow 
of Josh Allen. His status was uncertain all week long, leading into yesterday, a Sunday in Buffalo. So we see the numbers here for the Vikings' victory, 33-30 to 30 in overtime. And Josh Allen, Dr. Chow, at least from that numbers perspective, 29-43, of 43, 330 yards, albeit a touchdown and two interceptions, still led Buffalo in rushing yards as well with 84 on the ground. So we see what the numbers have to say, Dr. Chow, but how did Josh Allen from that health perspective look to you? Yeah, that game was crazy. I mean, what was crazier, that game against Minnesota or the Buffalo game against the Chiefs last year that I was lucky yeah. enough to take my son to? But this one, in some ways, is crazier because all the unexpected finishes. The, the the previous game that we talked about at least was just big plays. This was like craziness yeah. along the goal line and and, uh, and stuff. But Josh Allen looked very good, okay? I mean, I don't know that uh, I could attribute any of his interceptions to his elbow. I don't know that I can attribute the fumble uh, in the end zone to his elbow. Maybe the ability to reach in and, and pull out of the pile slightly, but uh, didn't see much there, which is good news for sure. But all along, he remember, Ben, he threw the ball 70 yards on the final play the week before. No one was questioning his arm strength. Look, the issue is if you have an olecloud ligament sprain that has a small partial tear, and you have the ulnar nerve symptoms that we all agree that he had, there's just a risk for re-injury that could make it worse. That's all we were talking about. So far this week, the Bills dodged a bullet. Now, they didn't get the victory, but Josh Allen seems to be just fine. I'm sure at this point he's playing next week against Cleveland, but I'm also sure he's going to be limited in practice and doing some things. And because there's no such thing as a one-week only collateral ligament sprain. So they're going to have to dodge some more bullets. And I hope they do. And I never was saying this guy is falling. I always thought he could play. But I questioned whether he would play based on the decision-making process in being careful with their MVP star. I think it's a really, really good point. And despite now two straight losses for Buffalo, Dr. Chow, still the favorites to win the AFC Championship, still the favorites to hoist the Lombardi Trophy at the conclusion of Super Bowl 57. So how do you anticipate Buffalo will continue to manage that UCL injury for Josh Allen? I think they'll be as careful as possible, certainly during the week, but game time is unpredictable. I don't think anyone is worried that he's not going to play this, this week against Cleveland, but I would caution that they, look, running the ball, he's fine. Quick, short passes, but extending plays when there's pressure around him, you can't get his arm hit and torqued the same way. So let's hope it doesn't happen. Hopefully they've modified the playbook, and hopefully they don't forget that there is still some back-end concern, and fingers crossed that we don't cross that bridge next week or the week after. Buffalo, an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite as we look forward to next Sunday afternoon hosting the Cleveland Browns. There was a ton of quarterback questions all week long, Dr. Chow, for a matchup in L.A. between the Rams and the Cardinals in the NFC West. No Kyler Murray for Arizona. No Matthew Stafford for L.A. And the Rams now three games below 500, losing yesterday at home by double digits despite being booked as a three point favorite and when you truly add on insult to injury Cooper Cup left that game early for LA Dr. Chown what you saw yesterday in Los Angeles between the Rams and the Cardinals how serious does that Cooper Cup injury look to you 
Well, from the command center, we had in-game video analysis of what was going on. And we said, although the video, the key close-up video cuts off the right lower ankle on the replay, it looked to be a high ankle type injury with some worry for fibula fracture associated. It seems like the reports are the worst case scenario has been avoided. So no associated fracture, but still the high ankle sprain seems significant would ex still expect him to hit injured reserve, but perhaps his season is not over. So there is some good news, but at this point, the Rams themselves are on life support uh, for the yeah. season. Dr. Chow, you've been in those decision-making rooms with front office people, with the coaching staff, when the Rams, who were the Super Bowl champs last year, are suffering through that Super Bowl hangover we all discussed, three games below 500 now in last place in the NFC West. Is there any conversation about the timetable then for Cooper Cup's return with a team that is greatly struggling this year? Well, Ben, I don't want to get over my skis. Uh, I don't know that I have experience uh, talking to teams about a Super Bowl hangover. In my time with the Chargers, we didn't make it to a Super Bowl, full disclosure there. But I, I know what you're talking about. Look, it really depends. Look, return to play is always a decision between the player, medical, and the team. And the player can be the wife, the mom, the dad, the agent, the player themselves, who knows. Medical is between the team doctor, athletic trainer, physical therapist, surgeon, et cetera. And the team is ownership, GM, head coach, position coach. All three bodies have to vote yes for a return. So if Cooper Cup wants to return to play, no matter what the record is, he can as long as he gets signed off from the other two parties. What a couple of years ago, George Kittle returned to play with that cuboid fracture. And he's a star on a big money deal when San Francisco was basically out of it, all but mathematically eliminated. So it's possible for him to return. And, you know, knowing Cooper Cup or knowing of Cooper Cup, I don't know him personally. I think he's going to want to return to play. And I think that can happen, but probably not for a number of weeks. Speaking of those Niners and the health, here we are, start of the second half of this season. Dr. Chow, multiple teams going through those bye weeks each and every week, and the Niners returned from the bye last night on a Sunday, hosting the Chargers and shut out L.A. in that second half to propel them to a 22-16 to victory. And that was one of the keys entering last night, Dr. Chow, the Niners getting healthier and healthier on that defensive side of the football. How important are those bye weeks at this stage of the season and what it means for your team's outlook the rest of the way? It is important for rest and so forth. And believe me, medical and even teams and GMs look at the bye week when as soon as the schedule is released. But I think the key to that game was really the Chargers' health or lack of it on their defensive oh. line. They came in short on the defensive line. If you looked at our field view, it had a low run-stopping six score. And when they lost more players along the defensive line, uh, be it on Twitter or uh, through six score, SIC score, we were saying in-game – the, the 49ers are coming back and going to win, even yeah. though they were down early. Because And you saw it in the second half. The Chargers were shut out, but the 49er rushing attack because of the lack of defensive linemen for the Chargers was dominant in that second half. The Niners were a pregame eight-and-a-half-point favorite, flipped to the money line underdog just briefly early there in the second half as well. Dr. Chow, the unbeaten birds in action on this Monday night. The Eagles hosting the Commanders. What does the field view at sixscore.com have for Monday Night Football? The field view and the six scores mimic the line. Uh, the Eagles are the healthier side, the dominant side by double digits. 
Uh, does that mean they're going to win and work out that way? But who knows? But Washington has two key linebackers out, some offensive linemen out. Of course, Johan Dotson is playing off a hamstring, but for a speedster, that doesn't always bode well first game back. Logan Thomas still recovering from ACL in the calf. Of course, no Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke still playing. So most of the injuries are on the commander's side of the football. Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc, always providing us that injury analysis and insight. Dr. Chow, thank you so much for your time. Now the prop perspective for Monday Night Football up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Monday night football in Philadelphia. The lone undefeated team left in the National Football League, the Eagles. The unbeaten birds hosting the Washington Commanders. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on this Monday all across the Sport Grid Network. Each and every Monday we provide that prop perspective from FanDuel's Tom Vecchio. The jack of all trades, the home run prop king, everything all in one as we look forward to this Monday night. Vecchio, how was the weekend for you? My weekend was good, uh, you know, hit on some touchdown players, some unders, uh, college basketball unders, football unders, really across the landscape. It, it was pretty solid for me. And sometimes those unders are the way to look, despite the betting public loving to bet an over on anything, a prop or a total. Vecchio, I find tonight's game very interesting from that prop perspective. It's very similar to how I felt about Philly's last game two Thursday nights ago as a 14-point road favorite against the Texans. For the third straight game, the Birds are booked as a double-digit favorite. The total, relatively small in comparison, 43.5. Tom, when a game is expected to be this one-sided, based on those odds, maybe that blowout theory starts to come into effect. How does the line in the total for this Monday night football game between Philly and Washington affect your evaluation of the props? Yeah, tonight's total is, is really interesting, along with the spread at, at 10 and a half. And I think that Washington is probably being undervalued here. You know, we look at them overall in the season and they're four, four and one against the spread. And, you know, it may not seem great, but they pushed last week against the Vikings and then they had three straight covers prior to that. So they've actually been keeping things pretty close. Their defense has actually been somewhat solid over the past few weeks and then has me interested in you know taking Washington tonight on the spread but I do have a lot of interest in the Eagles player props because I think that they're still in a good spot even despite the 10 and a half point spread Tom if this game does follow suit based on what the numbers say do you get a little bit wary of betting a prop to the over if that blowout theory comes into effect and Philly takes their foot off the gas or maybe we don't see Jalen Hurts for all fourth quarters how do you describe that to the petting uh, to the betting public out there yeah so that the betting you know the uh the blowout factor would come in and be like okay if they blow them out and they get up by you know 30 you know as an exaggerated number it's like how are they going to get there well they're probably going to be scoring a lot and that means they're going to be probably mm. probably pretty efficient on offense so if it's a blowout that means someone's scoring someone's putting up the yards for the eagles so there is still value in going to player overs um, there's also value going into player unders because the blowout factor, they may not be playing a full complement of snaps in the fourth quarter. So there's, depending on where you look in the market, there's opportunities all over the place. 
It's a really good point. For Philly to cover this number tonight, you would think the offense is firing on all cylinders. And at the helm of that offense, of course, is Jalen Hurts. The second best price now, Vecchio, to win the NFL MVP award, only behind Patrick Mahomes. A passing yards prop, just a little bit shy of 240 yards tonight. But also, of course, the utilization of his legs. 42 and a half is the rushing yards prop for Jalen Hurts. With a quarterback that can do it all, Tom Vecchio, where do you look in the prop market? Uh, initially, I would actually look towards the under on his rushing. I was on the under on his rushing the other uh, two weeks ago, I should say, when they played the Texans because, you know, if they're going to be up by this much, he's that means he's not going to be dropping back. And if he's not going to be dropping back, that means he's not going to have a lot of opportunities to scramble. Yes, he will have some designed runs, but if he's only going to be dropping back 25, 28 times, He's probably going to be passing the ball the majority of those times. Then they'll be running the ball. So I like the under on Hurts rushing. He's only averaging like 41 rushing yards per game, uh, somewhere around there. So I like the under on that. His efficiency can get into the over on the passing yards pretty quickly. So Hurts is in a very unique spot tonight because if Washington does keep it close, that's what would lean towards the over on his rushing yards if he has to drop back 35 times because the pressure would allow him to scramble. Over this rushing yards prop of 42 and a half in the first two games of the year for Philly, but under in five of the last six. Now let's look at some of his favorite targets tonight. Of course, A.J. Brown has been huge for Jalen Hurts and this Philly offense since being acquired on draft night from Tennessee. But let's not forget about the second year wideout Devontae Smith from Alabama, the Heisman winner during his pride uh, during his time with the Crimson Tide. And of course, Dallas Goddard, the tight end who was big last week, right around that century mark on a Thursday night in Houston. Vecchio, how do you evaluate the wide receiver room for Philly this evening? Uh, A.J. Brown is awesome. We all know that. But I absolutely love Devonta Smith tonight, over 52.5 receiving yards. 23.3% uh, market share, 27.6% air yards market share. Those are both right behind A.J. Brown, as you'd expect. Smith is playing on 90.4% snaps, running around on 95.8% of the routes, both of which are higher than A.J. Brown. Uh, he's had some you know, quiet weeks, only one touchdown over the past four weeks for the Eagles. Uh, I'm of the belief that, you know, quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, you know, try to keep their elite wide receivers happy. And I think Smith is, you know, due for a little bit of positive regression because he's yet to find the end zone or hasn't found the end zone in a lot of these recent games. If we actually look back to week three, Smith torched Washington for 169 yards. So I think that is certainly on, on the table tonight because – Washington, they're allowing the ninth most receiving yards to wide receivers sitting at 1,564 on the season. So Smith has been kind of quiet in the Eagles offense. And I think, you know, especially at plus 200 to find the end zone tonight, along with the over on the receiving yards are both spots I like. And when you look at the other side, Tom Vecchio, on the ground for the Washington Commanders, there's a little bit of uncertainty of who's going to lead the way in that running back room. Brian Robinson Jr., his prop tonight, 35 and a half. Antonio Gibson, 33 in a hook when you have split backfield duties for a team tom what do you consider when you evaluate the prop market uh i would if i had to choose one just like uh you know split decision which way i would go with the lower number i think that it's obviously just easier to get to they're obviously in a unique situation where antonio gibson was heavily underutilized and then robbins comes back and they're giving him all these touches all these carries you know we know we see that uh Antonio Gibson can get there in the passing game. So you look at his combined passing plus, uh, excuse me, receiving plus rushing props. Those are certainly on the table. Uh, I like Robinson a little bit more. I think you look to the over on his carries. They'll try and slow the game down 
you know, keep it controlled instead of trying to get into a shootout, which I don't think Washington could keep up with the Eagles if that were the case. So I like I like Robinson for rushing and then I like Gibson for combined over tonight. Yeah, it is interesting as well if they do trail Philly like the odds would indicate. Again, a double-digit spread in favor of the Birds. Do they turn away from the ground game and they'll have to throw the football in that negative game script? For the Eagles, though, Tom, the league's leading rushing offense last year, still within the top 10, averaging nearly 150 yards. In Miles Sanders, his rushing yards prop is only 68 and a half. It's a number he has gone over in three consecutive games and four of the last five for Philadelphia how do you look at Miles Sanders and his prop tonight I actually like the under on his rushing attempts which is sitting at 15 and a half you know as I've said uh Washington they have covered the spread in three out of their last four weeks including the push last week against the Vikings and if we look to say uh, some of Sanders game logs the games that he's going over this 15 and a half mark is the games that they're up massively and you know the one game he went under was against uh the Pittsburgh uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers where they were massively efficient on offense so he simply didn't have to do it uh, tonight, I'm projected for 14.1 carries. I think that this, if Washington, again, keeps it close, Sanders won't necessarily be in a spot to run the ball a ton, combined with the fact that Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott are both seen carries in the Eagles' backfield. So I like the under for Sanders tonight on his rushing attempts. And despite some of the low rushing attempts games, he still does at times, like in the Steelers game, had nine carries for 78 yards, so he can break off a couple of big ones. Elsewhere in the world of sports tonight, Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. Jason Tatum, Tom, is on an absolute tear, averaging nearly 32 points per game to start off this season for the Seas. Do you continue to ride that trend this evening of Jason Tatum's hot scoring hand and how consistent he has been? Absolutely. This is a year he can legitimately contend for the MVP. Uh, I think the Thunder are surprising a few people this season. They're eight and five against the spread, which is good to see. The Thunder are also eight and five to the over, while the Celtics are eight, four, and one to the over. So there's probably going to be some points tonight. And with Tatum having a massive, you know, 33, 35% offensive usage rate, he's taking well over 20 field goals per game. Uh, like you said, averaging about 32 points per game. I like him over 35 and a half points plus assists combined and sitting at minus 111. Uh, based on the game logs we've seen from him, he can get to 40 just points alone. So we don't even need the assists. Yeah. But the fact that he's you know adding up four, five, six assists is always good. You know, even if he does have only 30 or 31 points, which is uh, something to say for how good he has been to start the season. Yeah, it's a really good look. And his points prop just by itself is 30 and a half. Jason Tatum now. Moving up that MVP board, the third best price at five to one, a dollar and fifty cents, pretty much behind Luka Doncic and Giannis, who are the favorites in that market. But we call Tom Vecchio and his prop perspective on this Monday the Jack of all trades for a reason. It's not just Monday Night Football. It's not just a play on the hardwood. Also on the ice, Tom Vecchio, where are we going tonight in the NHL? That would be with the Carolina Hurricanes and Marty Natchez for a goal, seeing a plus 220, which I think is just way, way too high. He's averaging over three shots per game. He's on the second forward line, the first power play. There's a player that has taken a step forward in the Hurricanes offense. And when it comes to the Hurricanes offense, they are one of the best in the league. They come in with a 70.28 Corsi 4, which is a shot attempt metric. Not shots on goal, but a shot attempt metric. That's the second best in the league tonight. They're going up against Chicago. And on the opposite side of shot attempts are shot attempts allowed. And Chicago is the fourth worst team allowing the fourth most shot attempts. So these are two teams at the opposite ends of the shot attempt spectrum, which is amazing for Carolina. So Marty Natchez for goal plus 220 or Andre Sveshnikov for goal plus 154. They are in a phenomenal spot tonight.
how those numbers all match up. That's how you cash a plus money number on finding the back of the net, finding twine, as they say, on the ice as well. Tom Vecchio, you always bring that prop perspective for us. Thank you so much. Tom Vecchio from FanDuel, as always, your time on this Monday. Greatly appreciated. Thanks for having me. We go now to our sportsbook conciliary. The odds and advice from Dave Sharapan. Looking back on the Sunday in the NFL, what it all means, how it looked in the risk room. That's what we'll discuss next up on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live right here on the morning after as we return on a Monday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59 all across the Spiz Grizz network and a man that knows the Spiz Grizz very well and the odds and the advice as they may that would be our sportsbook conciliary Dave Sharpin joining us here on this Monday it is nighttime in Pittsburgh always it will be nighttime in Philadelphia in just a few hours where the Eagles yes. host the commanders on Monday night football and because of that Dave Sharpin rocking the Kelly Green throwback and a Philadelphia Eagles beanie. Now, Sharepin, you're in Las Vegas, though. Is it cold enough in Vegas on this Monday morning to be rocking a beanie? 37. 37 oh. outside this morning, Benjamin. It's a little bit chilly. And now uh, the wind's blowing. Uh, Marenzi's still here. I haven't found him yet, but uh, oh, God only knows if we get together for a little bit of time. Yes, it's cold enough to wear the beanie. That's why I'm wearing yeah. the beanie. You know, so plus I just wanted to change it up. I mean, you keep running and doing your thing in the Nebraska hat and getting people to come Always, up yeah. to you. Do you realize what happens when you go to the grocery store with a Philadelphia Eagles beanie on when they play on Monday night? You get all the opinions. Yeah. What do they say? What do they say about that 10 and a half point spread? <laughs> How can they lose to this team? They can't mm -hmm. lose to this team. But but that's a healthy spread. There's a lot of rhombuses and parallelograms that are on the dog here. Makes a lot of sense yeah. to take a divisional dog plus the points with a team right. that, um, you know, since Heineke's been in there, they've been very competitive. They, they haven't turned the ball over. And Philly can't go undefeated. No matter what anyone tells you, it's nighttime in Pittsburgh behind me, but my brethren from the other side of the state – really believe like this team could could reel off 12 13 14 wins in a row it's going to come to an end i'm not saying it's maybe. tonight maybe but ah uh, come on it could these people yeah. aren't good. they're not going undefeated benjamin right tell me i'm right please i, I mean listen philly had based on preseason win projections and win totals for this year the second easiest schedule you look at the rest of the slate for philadelphia it's not all that difficult. They're going to be a favorite most likely in every game they have remaining, including their ninth of the year tonight. Again, a 10 and a half point spread. I appreciate the perspective you provide, Sherapan, on what the approach is for that large double digit spread. You're right. The Commanders had their three game win streak snapped last week against the Vikings. They were a three point home dog. They pushed because they lose just by a field goal. The Commanders have won three of their last four, three 0 oh, and one against the number 
in those four games as well. But let's go back to Sunday. You mentioned it's cold. It's a little bit blistery there Ooh. in Las Vegas. Some people don't realize the desert, when it dips to those low temperatures, can still be very chilly before it heats up later in the afternoon. Sherpen, a cold, blistery day in western New York yesterday as well between the Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings. One of the best games we have seen all year long. And Sherpen, I want to direct your attention, of course, to the final minute of regulation on the goal line there for the Vikings and the Bills and where it seemed like the Vikings were going to win the game. Nope, nope, they get stopped on fourth down. Okay, Buffalo's going to ice this out. Josh Allen is going to dive forward for a yard. All good. Nope, what, he fumbled and Minnesota fell on it in the end zone. That's the game. Oh, we're going to play soft coverage and not defend the sideline? Buffalo comes down to even it up with a field goal to send it to overtime. So with all that happening, Sherapan, and you've been in those risk rooms before, how can the live odds or who the winner is projected to be even try to keep up? Oh, man. At that point, with everything going on, you just turn off the live odds. You can't can't keep track. Everything's moving too fast. You kind of just become a fan, turn it off and watch it and go, is this really happening? And, I mean, I was in the book yesterday uh, when the game was on watching it with a couple guys at the Westgate. And, I mean, I can't believe the Cousins didn't get in. First of all, Jefferson's catch was just stunning. Froze everything. Because how does the ball not get knocked down and Buffalo cover at least the number at that point? Okay, they don't. And and then then when Cousins doesn't get in, you're like, wow, Buffalo's going to escape. Somebody was screaming at the TV, take the safety. And yep. that would have not covered the spread, but take the snap, have the center snap it out of the end zone. Who cares? And punt it away and then have to force them to, to come back. Anything could have happened. So, yes, yeah, so live odds were turned off. Everybody was a fan. Everybody was screaming at the TV. And then <laughs> when it looked like Allen was going to lead them down in the last three and a half minutes of overtime and at worst get a tie, 33-33 would have been probably one of those scorigami things or whatever. Yeah. But Buffalo loses the game. This solidifies Minnesota's run in, in the NFC. I mean, they're going to likely host it all. If you look at their schedule, it's them in Philadelphia. They could have NFC home field throughout. They're going to win the division, even though Green Bay – Showed us who they were finally yesterday. Right. Minnesota's right there. And now Buffalo, they may not win a division. They may not win the division. The Miami Dolphins are right there. You want to talk yeah. about a, a whole domino effect. Coming in the mo- to work in the morning today in the risk room, you got to adjust the whole AFC. The whole AFC, AFC has to be adjusted after that. That's why you're a pro's pro. That was my exact next question. Because Buffalo is now... That? on a two-game losing skin. Their odds in every market have changed slightly. You've been that odds maker, making the numbers. How would you change Buffalo's number atop the AFC, atop the Super Bowl 57 market as well? Oh, man. I would I would actually raise it up. I would make the Chiefs the favorite right now just because Ooh. of the loss. And I would try to go get some Buffalo money. Um, I might take that Ravens number up a little bit. I would take Dolphins number down. The Dolphins showed me something. Again, they continue to show you something. Tua's to win the uh, MVP's got to come down. All of these things mm-hmm. are possible. The Tennessee Titans play the 
ugliest form of football, I think, in the AFC. Mm-hmm. All they do is win. They're going to have a home playoff game. They're going to win that division. Um, after that, though, I would make the odds pretty healthy on, on a lot of those other teams. I think the Bengals might be sneaky because either them or the Ravens, although I've really favored the Ravens to win a division, try to go get some money on them. I don't know who's beating one of those other teams, but Buffalo showed yesterday they have everybody. Every team has a flaw, has an Achilles heel. Theirs is crunch time. (laughs) Crunch time just can't get it done yet. Mm. Not dismissing them as the, you know, one of the front runners to win the AFC, but I would go get some other money on them right now and adjust some, some, some other teams for sure. The crazy thing about all that we saw there in the final minute of regulation in that fourth quarter is Buffalo had a 27-10 lead deep into the third quarter. Right. An 81-yard Dalvin Cook touchdown run even made that remotely a football game. The fact that we had the goal line stop and the fumble on the other end for Josh right. Allen, the fact that even happened was because of that incredible catch you mentioned by Justin Jefferson. The catch of the year, no doubt, but also on fourth and eighteen. So given circumstance, goodness, they're not even in that football game if nope. it's not for what Jay Jet continues to do. A buck 93 receiving yesterday, 98 or more receiving yards in six straight for Minnesota, who has won seven straight football games. So as we go around now the NFC, as you look at the NFC title odds, Dave Sharapan, let's focus on two veteran quarterbacks. Both of them wear... Number 12, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they win a game yesterday in Munich in Germany against the Seattle Seahawks. They were booked as a slight favorite, laying two and a half points. The Packers hosted the Dallas Cowboys, a line that was at five and a half, six early in the week, closing just north of a field goal at three and a half. I still feel like Sherapan, despite the struggles for both Tom and the Bucs and Aaron and the Packers this year, the odds still have that expectation. They're going to figure things out here in the second yeah. half of the season. Do you think those numbers take that into effect? Oh, 100%. You can't you can't just dismiss them when you're sitting there in the book taking bets on teams knowing that there's guys out there that are going to bet them. So, yeah, I mean the Packers got to make the playoffs. They they're not winning right. the division. They're not so they have to find a way to get in the playoffs. Their road's a little further behind which, you know, the odds reflect that. The Buccaneers are going to win a division, and they are figuring it out. And it's not pretty, but all the guy does is win. And, you know, he's starting to maybe work out everything, the home front, figure out what he's got to do there. Good trip to Germany, a bye week. Are the Bucs back? Eh, I don't know if they're back, but you know the people are going to bet them. Because, yep. again, all you got to do is get that three-game parlay in, in the playoffs. It's a three-game parlay. If you get a bye, it's two games to get to the Super Bowl. So that's what the odds reflect. You always have to keep that in mind. Now, it depends who you play and all that other stuff, but that's the price you're putting out there. That's why the Tampa line is what it is. And listen, I will say this, and I've said it many a time. The team on Dave's head right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, are certainly deserving of being the favorite in the NFC, but they don't have the postseason experience that some others do. You could make the same argument for the Vikings, who have the second-best record in all of the NFL. Their only loss 
to the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Just something to keep in mind as you evaluate what we are seeing here in the regular season. Now entering the second half versus a postseason number, which is what that price is to win a conference championship. How about a national championship Ooh. in college football? Something Dave Sherapan loves greatly. Sherapan, only two regular season Saturdays left in college football now. And after the chaos that we saw this past Saturday, there's only 12 teams available on the FanDuel Sportsbook to even bet on to win a national championship. So where we are right now in the realistic possibilities of getting to the college football playoff, of being in contention for that national title, how do the odds makers start to narrow their focus? Well, you really start to try to, to weigh out the scenarios where hmm. I was actually, I was trading some texts with some people this morning um, trying to figure out, does USC have a path in? Because if they have a path in, somebody's coming in to bet them. Does mm. Tennessee, the team that gets in, if they don't let two Big Ten teams in, and you're as mm. big, much you're a bigger Big Ten advocate than I am. If Ohio yeah. State plays Michigan and the game's close, they should both yeah. get in. I mean, legitimate. Like there's no other discussion at this point. But if TCU keeps winning games, especially seven point yep. dogs when everybody's counting them out, you got to get them a spot. So now, what do we do? That's what you got to like. That's the debate. Everyone's having these debates that loves college football just as a fan in a room. It almost comes to blows because you're like, this team isn't as good. They'd be 17 point dogs to this team. Yeah. But the committee says that they're going to be in, they're going to be in. You got to fix the odds. So I still think at some point the committee should just reach out to Vegas and ask some odds makers for an opinion. Be a great idea. Might help them make the picks, but it's it's really interesting, Benjamin. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Sheriff Penn, I say that all the time, and we thank you for your time here on this Monday on the morning after. The committee calls it impressive results or style points. To us, it's covering a number. That's what Sheriff Penn knows better than most. We round out the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We close out our two hours together here live on this Monday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. It is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Monday to start off your new week. Although a new week starts off here on the grid, week number 10 of the NFL season comes to a close tonight in Philadelphia. The last unbeaten team left in all of the league, the Eagles hosting the Commanders, an NFC East Divisional Showdown in Philadelphia on this Monday. The Eagles, a 10.5-point favorite. The total is 43.5. The odds tell you the story of this game, at least as we expect from the outcome. Philly should remain unbeaten, improving to a perfect 9-0. But we go to the props to try to find those edges. So before we say farewell, and before we say goodbye, it's time for a Monday night football best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye.
Again, the unbeaten birds are a 10 and a half point favorite. If they are to cover that number, a ton of offense can be expected out of Philly tonight. But I look at the other side in a wide receiver for Washington that is on an absolute tear right now. His name is Terry McLaurin. His receiving yards prop tonight is only 49 and a half. In the three games that T Taylor Heineke has started for the commanders, Terry McLaurin has gone over this number. 73 yards on eight targets against Green Bay three weeks ago. A buck 13 on eight targets against the Colts two weekends ago. 56 yards on nine targets against the Vikings last Sunday. He has also gone over this number in four of the last five for Washington. There is that true relationship between Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin. We have seen that now expressed in the three starts Heineke has made. And if the commanders are trailing in this football game, as the 10.5 point spread would show, well, then they're going to have to throw the football a ton to try to keep ground against Philadelphia. Terry McLaurin over 49.5 receiving yards tonight on a Monday in Philly. The morning after is back tomorrow on a Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on Sports. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk to you.